0: Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with a lyre, with a lyre in the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of horns. Make a joyful noise before the king, before the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hill, hills sing for joy to gather before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the earth with righteousness and the peoples with equity.
1: Yesterday, uh, I noticed there was a celebration. If you... Uh, Went on Facebook this morning, and you—you live here in Bonaire. You would be—it would be impossible for you to avoid the good news. The good news—it uh, seems to be uh, universally regarded as good news here in Bonaire—that. Uh, Delta Airlines and American Airlines are flying to Bonaire again from the United States. And there was a giant celebration. Some of you flew in yesterday. (laughs) And I think you were greeted by fire hoses and lots of hoopla, lots of hoopla. Because here in Bonaire, we've been uh, sort of suppressed for a while. Our economy kind of depends a great deal on people coming here from somewhere else. And because of our pandemic situation, that has been hard to do, well frankly, impossible to do for some time, hard to do for even longer, and now we're starting to get back to it. We're starting to be set free, and the fact that we are able to gather here without any limitations about, you know, based on the letter of your last name or anything like that, Uh, There's still some observable limitations, but it feels like good news, and we celebrate when we get good news. It seemed to me to be kind of appropriate, now that we can have church like the whole church again, to... uh, talk about what church is and why we are here in this church and uh the first answer to that question is it's all about the good news and not just some good news the good news uh the good news we sometimes in English we use the word gospel and that word just means good news and we have a motto here in our church and that is uh, it has three three items gospel centered Bible based multicultural. Maybe I said that in the wrong order. I think we usually put the Bible-based first, gospel-centered, multicultural. And so today I thought, I'm just going to tell you why why that is and what that means. And I'm going to start with the gospel-centered. Now, I think if you looked at your bulletin or various other places where we put this, we put the Bible-based first, Uh, but I'm going to start with the message of the Bible, which is gospel. The good news. It's all about the good news. Here's something us Christians would do well to remember. The focus of our attention is good news. That means if you are a Christian, you should be smiling, not scowling. Now, a lot of Christians get distracted and they get religious. I want to look at Galatians chapter 3, in which Paul says, This is not religious. And in his day, that was about whether Christians uh, needed to follow the law of Moses in addition to believing in Christ for the sake of their salvation or their standing before God. And he says that is outrageous. It actually made him angry. But I want to look at chapter 3. Of the book of Galatians. Because it's all about the good news. It's about Christ crucified. It's about sinners reconciled. It's about this. In, Gen- in Galatians chapter 3, verse 6, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So it's not about developing a particular religious or moral life. A lot of Christians go to church, for example, because going to church seems like a way to get in with God. Or we read our Bible or we pray on a daily basis, or we, you name it. And we get, we go way all over the place, so we say things like, well, then you shouldn't do this or that, or this or that, or this or that, and we, uh, or you should do this or that. And all we're doing is making another religion. We're making a list of things to say to people that say, if you want to have God on your side, here's what is required of you. If you do this, you will receive God's favor. I read a, a great book one time by Timothy Keller. I can't remember the title. He said, if that's what Christianity is we really don't need another one of those. If that's, all there, if that's all that the Christian faith is, then it's not really the Christian faith, it's the Christian religion. There's plenty of good religions already. And, of course, this isn't about a, a religious commitment this isn't about a fulfillment of religious duties. It's not even about uh, our moral behavior or our ethical code. What is it? You see this in the text of Galatians chapter 3, where we read this in verse 5, Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law? or by hearing with faith? His answer to that question is in verse 10. All who rely on works of the law... I'm going to say that again. All, all who rely on works of the law... That's a way of saying obey on their own obedience to God's righteous demands. All who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and to do them, if you rely on your own obedience to God's righteous requirements, guess what? You fail. And if you don't keep it all and keep it perfectly, you broke it and you are under God's judgment because you are shown to be unrighteous. And as we learn here in the book of Galatians, that was the reason for the giving of the law. So that you would not continue to believe that somehow you are righteous because of your own obedience to God. So he says, verse 11, it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law it's not by works of the law what god requires you cannot fulfill here's the what the law what god's requirements now these are real requirements the law of god is what Is a description of what a human being would need to do in order to be actually righteous before God. It's not wrong, it's true. And because it's true, it is condemning and judging. This is why Jesus said, uh, I didn't come into the world to judge the world, I came to bring salvation. It's not necessary for me to judge the world. If you don't believe in me, you're judged already. So what God requires, you cannot fulfill the law, condemns you. Satan, the accuser, does not have to lie to bring about judgment upon human beings. He can accuse you truthfully. So, any religious system we come up with is not going to achieve its goal. What we need is a savior. Good news. Good news. Good news. We have been held in our own unrighteousness, condemned to death, but we are delivered in the work of Christ. So I'm not here to correct you, or coerce you, or threaten you. I'm not here to preach to you what you ought to be doing, except as a way to help you see your need for the Savior. to show and to tell that Christ is leading a resurrection from the dead. In, uh, chapter, in verse 14 here in Galatians 3, we read this, In Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Sorry, verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who's hanged on a tree. So he delivers the blessing promised to Abraham in verse 22. The scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. In verse 26, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Good news. <laughs> it's good news. It's not about something you must do. It's about something that has been done for you. It's about something that has been done for you. You have put on Christ. So when you stand before God, He sees the perfect righteousness of His eternal Son on you. And you have been made acceptable by that righteousness before Him. And He says... Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, I don't want the righteousness that's a righteousness of my own, but the righteousness that comes through Christ, through faith. The very righteous life of Christ, God gives you credit for on the basis of faith. That's what this expression means. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. When you put your faith in Christ, when you are united to Christ, His righteousness gets counted for you. In spite of the fact that you're not particularly righteous. Have you seen how stuck people are? Have you heard the good news? About how we get unstuck. We're under the burden of our sin. And this good news of God's grace toward us in Christ. What do you do with good news? You could read about this also in Romans 4. God doesn't count your sin. He counts the righteousness of Christ on you. Now, so we here in this church are gospel-centered. That's all the news. That's the whole story. In fact, it's the message of the whole Bible. From the beginning to the end. When God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness in Genesis chapter 1, it is an introduction to this good news because that is realized in Christ. When he says to uh, the serpent, uh, the seed of the woman, you'll bruise his heel, he'll crush your head. That's the gospel. And right here in this text, in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 8, we read this. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. What's that telling you? That? When God said to Abraham, made this promise to Abraham thousands of years before Christ was born, when God said to Abraham, in you all the nations of the world will be blessed, he was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. How are all the nations blessed in Christ? Jesus himself said it, right? He said, Abraham longed to see my day, rejoiced when it came. He said, uh, in John chapter 5, he said, "Uh, you don't believe in Moses, because if you believed in Moses, you'd believe in me, because Moses wrote about me. Where did Moses write about Jesus, right? Well, here's one place. When God preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, It's the message of the Bible from beginning to end. From in the beginning God created to even so come quickly Lord Jesus. How did we become stuck? Well, the Bible tells us. We turned away from God and righteousness The active righteousness which we are made to reflect bearing God's image in the world, we messed that up when we broke off our relationship with God. So we're not capable of producing it. And we became unrighteousness because we refused to depend upon God. And the Bible is the story of what God has done about this problem in his love for us. What he has done is Jesus in the incarnation of the Son of God, in his perfect righteous obedience to the entire law of God, in his sacrifice on the cross for sin that provides Reconciliation for us in His resurrection, in His ascension. And as a consequence of that, His intercession for you and for me, for for those of us who believe in Him. The Father judges us behind Him. We come with Him into the very throne room of God's grace. Even now. In his ascension, in his intercession, in the expectation of his return, when we shall see him and be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And our adoption and redemption and salvation will be fulfilled and complete when he returns. And then in his reign on this earth, And in his eternal reign on this earth, we as his joyful subjects. This is the message of the whole Bible. The good news that God is reconciling his lost people to himself in his son and as we've read already here in the book of Galatians that is a work of his spirit in the heart of each believer and in our life together in the church so it's all about the good news (laughs) and the good news is the message of the Bible and here's something it's for everyone that's why we have that <laughs> expression multicultural now multicultural can get a lot of weird meanings in the world today by the way there's probably some christians you could talk to that would complain to me about putting the word multicultural in our motto because it could be because it could mean something like Identity politics. That is not what it means. Here's what it means. It's right here in Galatians chapter 3. As many of you as are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs, according to the promise It's for everyone. Your culture is not relevant. Except we've got to communicate in various cultures. This good news. Your nationality or race is not relevant. Whether you are uh, rich and powerful or a slave is not relevant whether you are a man or a woman. You know, that's relevant in many ways, but not this way. These things are not uh, non-existent, but they don't matter when it comes to whether a person has this standing before God in Christ. The church is about the gospel not about the power struggles of this world. James chapter 2, he says, don't show partiality in church. And then he gives an example. If a rich guy comes in and a poor guy comes in behind him, don't tell the rich guy, here is the best seat, and the poor guy sit on the floor over there. Why? Why? Because that's normally how we would behave. Important people get treated like important people. Unimportant people get treated like unimportant people. Well, here's the thing. The rich, powerful guy is just as in need of Christ as the poor, powerless guy. Everyone... Everyone is equally judged under God's righteousness. All of us, all have sinned. There's a great equality in that. All have sinned and fall short. So, this isn't about reversing the power structures of the world. It's about the good news of God's grace in Christ. All redeemed people, all redeemed people are redeemed by the sacrifice of Christ without any reference whatsoever to their own merit. No one deserves it. Here's here's a way I can say this. Here in the church, it's a flat earth. It's flat. I can look over at you. I cannot look down on you. Jesus himself humbled himself Humbled himself to become one of us to begin with. How's that even possible? Jesus, the eternal Son of God, became a man, became a helpless baby in a barn. Humbled himself. He's the King of Kings. He's born in a barn. And then he humbled himself. Finding himself, Scripture says, one of us, he humbled himself among us and humbled himself and humbled himself until he was beneath us all. Cross. He humbled himself even to the point of death, even the death of the cross. If, if I look down on someone, I'm also looking down on him. I can't be with him if I'm looking down on you. It's a flat earth in the gospel. It's absolutely Absolutely. Every last human being has the dignity of bearing the image of God. And all of us are under God's judgment for our sin and have the opportunity for God's salvation in Christ without regard to any quality we possess. It's for everyone. It's for everyone. So, what we do here is we celebrate. <laughs> I mean, I can't brag, but I can celebrate. We celebrate. When we come to the table, it's a celebration. It's a celebration. It's a remember. Remember, Jesus died for your sins and rose. Oh yeah, Jesus. That's what this table is about. Because we've heard and we believe, we celebrate. We dive into and splash around in the love of God. The love of God that's delivered in Christ and communicated by the Holy Spirit. One of the best ways we can do that is to explore the Scripture. Because the Scripture is the message of that good news. So we can read it, explore it, find out more, find out the details, look into it more. And the Scripture says then, having reviewed God's mercy, present your bodies a living sacrifice, your spiritual service of worship. We look to God's perfect provision in everything because we are His children. That's what the text said. You're children of God. And so, who is your provider? We look to God. Here's what that means we pray. We pray. If I need something, I ask Him. If I need something, I ask him, I look to him. We celebrate together every Sunday in worship and in the fellowship of the body. The joyful fellowship of the body of Christ is our privilege. And we're real with each other, we're actual brothers and sisters. We're real with each other because we are secure in Christ. I can help you. You can help me. I can be transparent in front of you. I can share my problems and my faults and get help because I'm secure in Christ. You know, that can seem risky to us. I can say, well, I don't want to tell you who I really am because I don't want you to judge me. Well suppose you did. Suppose you find out something about me and you that causes you to reject me. In Christ I'm still okay. I'm better than okay. I am secure. Absolutely secure in Christ. And so this gives us the opportunity to deal with each other for real, to really care for each other. We take care of each other. We show the love of Christ, and we can see the work of Christ in one another. We can help facilitate it in one another. We can communicate the good news to one another all the time. So we enjoy the fellowship of the gospel, with each other, together. What we do here is celebrate. You could look at you can see all these things I just mentioned on the front of your bulletin, where it says, "We live with God in various ways." Somehow, I lost track of my bulletin. There it is. It's right there on the front. We live with God in worship, in fellowship, in service, and uh, I missed the first part. In the gospel, in the scriptures, in prayer. The last one is in creation, when we enjoy and take care of the things He's made. Have you heard <laughs> the good news? I just wanted to pause in this moment where we're sort of coming back together in the church, where we're gonna be free again to do what we do, to remember this is, what, this is who we are and what we do. We have received Christ by faith. We're united to Christ by the grace of God, and not on the basis of who we are or what we've done, but on the basis of who He is and what He's done. And so, we are free. And this message is for everyone, everyone you meet, might benefit from hearing the good news. And then we join together in celebration. What we do here is celebrate good news. That's all we do. That's all we do. Father, we give you thanks We thank you for this message of redemption, of salvation, of reconciliation, of justification, where the very righteousness of Christ is applied to us on the basis of your grace, your love exhibited in Him.
0: We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.